0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, into a new edition of Spits and Suds Off-Season as the regular season nears. Just a Wow, amazing. Just about 70 days away. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm joined by EP Rinkside, Shapshot, D Magazine, and his book, which is out, called We Win Here, which talks about the Texas stars and the Dallas stars. It's Sean Shapiro enjoying the summer. How are you, Sean?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's uh, I'm going to go... Uh... Some of the few weeks in August where I actually get to watch live hockey actually. Nice. We're going, uh, this week down in uh there's been the World Junior Summer Showcase this week has been taking place here in uh Plymouth, Michigan. And the uh uh been watching some USA versus Finland, USA versus Sweden. It's been actually a chance to watch some live hockey in uh, in August. So it's a nice kind of uh wetting the appetite, but not uh too far into the uh to the weeds yet
0: so sean shapiro's garment when he goes close to a rink during the summer walk in with shorts but or walk in with pants and carry a jacket so i made the mistake so day one of the uh showcase i made the mistake of uh, i had taken my uh
1: i have like a sweatshirt slash cardigan type thing whatever you want to call it like it's it's, it's like a, it's a sweatshirt it's like a, but it's a slightly nicer sweatshirt that I typically keep in the car for when I go to the rink or go to practice or whatever it's just something that's like oh this is don't need this until I go into an ice rink and I had made the mistake of cleaning the car a couple of weeks earlier and like oh well I could take this out of here I don't need this <laughs> and then so I went in, so I went to the rink uh last Friday and uh I walked in and i'm like cold and i'm like ah, i love my my sweatshirt thing and uh it was uh unfortunately at my house so it is wow. now back in the uh but this time of year like uh, today there'll be a game at one o'clock and four o'clock today it's a full day over at the rink which is great and it's fun and everything but so i'll 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 be i'll be wearing i'll be wearing pants i've got i uh, i'll be wearing pants so i'll make sure i have the the something warmer for up top to, as well and uh I'll make sure i'm I'm, I'm ready it's the, it's the summer ones that always throw you off um it's it's the but you know what it's it's one of those things you get used to i think um you get used to the adjustment more so when you cover hockey in texas because like people who when you cover hockey in uh in the northern united states and in canada everything a lot of the times, for most of the year, your temperature is the same inside and outside. You're just like, okay, whatever is working outside is going to work inside. But in uh, as you know, in Dallas, there'll be pretty nice days where you can still pr- pretty nice, pretty nice days in what's supposedly winter sometimes. So it's, I think uh, time spent in Texas preps you for being able to like, yeah, I'm going to make sure I have that uh, yeah. extra sweatshirt in the car or, or, or make sure I wear some uh, slightly warmer socks today. So <laughs> now I understand
0: I will hear back from stars fans on this and maybe it's just my body temperature, but having traveled around rinks in the NHL so far, by far, the AAC is the coldest rink that I have been to. Is there one colder, Sean? it's
1: um, a good question.
0: And I've been to Tampa. Um, I've been to Florida. And for those that want, you know, I don't think it affects the ice surface. You know, any different. Yeah. Vegas was a great temperature. I mean, but for some reason, yeah. and maybe it's because I, you know, where I sit is, you know, below a blower. But yeah. I mean. um. I bundle up when I go to the AAC. Yeah,
1: tell us it. I mean it's AAC is pretty cold. It is. Um And thank you for saying that because I was questioning yeah, yeah, my yeah. manhood. Yeah, no, it's uh it's funny. Like you know, you know the way you can tell a rink is cold. Actually for me, I don't know how everyone else can, but for me, it's not as much like in my uh like I tend to like I don't it's not as much where my upper body will feel will feel cold and stuff like that, where I can, like, for me, the, almost like the external thermometer for my body feeling cold is my, is actually um, my fingernails. So like, if I, it's, it's kind of, and I don't know if that's just me being weird, but like, if I'm in a rink and it's cold, I'll start to feel Mm -hmm. like the tips of my fingers will feel cold. And that's incredibly uncomfortable for me. And so that is when I am, uh, I know the rest of my body is cold, but so sometimes it'll sneak up on you or it's like, ah, my, you start like, your hands are getting cold and everything like that. Like the rest of the body is a little bit feeling cold is cold, but it's not annoying. It's when your fingertips start to feel cold that
0: you're like, this is, this is, this is annoying. So, (laughs) and Sean Shapiro has another social media handle and whatever, Uh, Sean, whatever. And you don't have to expound upon it too much, Uh, but but all right, so you can say whatever you want. Here's my explanation without talking to you about it. Spits and suds has become so large That Sean needed another (laughs) social media account because of all the feedback he's been receiving about this fine hockey program. Clearly the,
1: the, uh, yes, that's exactly why I opened a a blue sky account or whatever it is now. I'm, I'm just, Gavin, I just hope we get this all figured out by, I I just want the social media stuff to be like, kind of figured out by October 5th, 6th, like, I know it won't be because it's the way we, the world is, but like, I just, it's one thing. And I know it's like, you gotta, you got, there's, there's Twitter is changing or X or whatever they call it now. And the, uh, and and, and then there's, there's uh, threads that were started and blue sky and all. and, And for me, like it's, like it's it's like this is like first world problems like to find it's like it's exhausting to be like okay how do i use this what which actually matters which one do people actually want to go to it's very uh i just it's easy right now when you write something or i'll post this podcast uh, i'll post a link to the podcast on all of them and that's easy because it's like a just a one-off and hey you're sharing it with people but like when you're watching a game and something like jumps into mind you know like you'll be like oh hey this guy's playing well i want to tweet about it like i'm not going to open up three apps and tweet about it i'm not going to open up three apps to do that like i don't need that i'm not going to do that so i just i i'm really i don't really know which way we're going with all of this stuff one of the great things about about twitter and everything with hockey was it was the spot it was the it was the town square the town hall Mm -hmm. for hockey connectivity and um i don't really know it's a way more nuanced conversation that other people can figure out. It's just, uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's the type of thing where when this stuff opens up and in, in my business and my field of it's good to have your own name as the, to, to basically squat on your own name in case you need it, I guess. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, ab- absolutely.
1: <laughs> isn't isn't that how like Mark Cuban made a lot of money? Didn't he like squat on URLs and sell them? Isn't that something that he did early on in the internet days? Uh,
0: I think he might've. He made his yeah. money on broadcast.com, which was bought and then basically nothing happened from it. I mean, it merged with another, right when streaming yeah. was about to begin. Um, yeah. So he- he he hit that. I did find it amazing about the new X slash Twitter sign they put up at their headquarters, and did not yeah. get proper clearance. So the yes. neighbors across the way, all of a sudden, it was like, yes. you know, all, you know, congratulations, you now ne- live next to Caesar's Palace, as yes. it's like blinking <laughs> into your room at night. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, cra- crazy times. The times they are yeah. a- changing. So. Hockey-wise, I thought of this question as we head into the season. I'll give you my three stars, and I'd like to hear yours. As far as, in order, Dallas stars that this upcoming season cannot be lost for a good amount of time because this team needs them.
1: Uh, just in order, right? Yes.
0: Basically one through three. Yes. Cut. And I, you want mine first? So you can. Uh,
1: Yeah, sure. You go first. Okay. So that works.
0: My first is Miro Heishkinen because we've mm-hmm. seen a track record when Miro's out, ice time is, you know, his time on ice is amazing and the defense core just isn't the same. And he's their quarterback. And when the quarterback goes down, you can put replacements in, but it's just not the same. My second is Jake Ottinger. Because of the way this team is aligned, you know, Scott Wedgwood has shown, unfortunately, that, you know, he can be injury prone. And we lost Wedgwood for a, a, a large part of last season, which put a lot of pressure on Ottinger. And I feel as though he's an elite goalie in the NHL. And when you lose a goalie like that, tough to replace, especially when you don't have a marquee backup. The third I have is Jason Robertson, because I feel as though when he was out, um, the offense struggled and, you know, I just feel as though he's a key cog in many ways as part of the offense, and obviously the numbers go away, but I also, you know, the offensive production, but he does a lot of other things, and he's improving on his uh, defensive side as far as a forwards. So for that, and uh, obviously, you know, he's a good room guy. So those are my top three. Heishkanen, Ottinger, Robertson.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's number one is Miro Heishkanen, and there's not even a debate for number one. Um, to me, that is, um, he's the best player on the team. He's the star's best player. He is the best player in a position where there are depth deficiencies. And the injury in the Seattle game uh, back in in the spring was when he left the game, we saw, everyone else kind of who hadn't accepted how valuable he is kind of maybe saw firsthand. And, um, I, I, I don't think, I still think he's often, we talk about like these underrated lists and everything like that, that come out. And I truly think Miro Heshkinen is underrated even by stars fans because of the nature of the position he plays. It's the natural. There's so many perfect things about Miro Heiskanen's game that, You have just taken you've that have that are foundations for this team so removing Miro Heshkin is removing the foundation of the stars you nothing can survive the removal of its foundation that's Miro Heshkin uh for number two I'm agree with you on your list is pretty good I mean number two is how the as the stars are constructed it's Jay Gondra because um well I think Scott Wedgwood fine backup we've talked about the injury history and we've talked about the goalie depth we've, we've talked quite a bit about that actually um to me with 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 the construction of the stars and how they've gone all in on jake ottinger you have to you, you can't not his not having him around would be a big issue um the third one which is it's 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 i mean jason robertson's a fine answer and i i don't disagree with you um the third one is interesting because it's A, this is a bit of a testament to um, the star's depth. I don't. I don't think there's. um, And this is. This is. I I truly believe this. Actually, I don't think there's an injury. I don't. If you were to have. If you were to unfortunately have an injury, that um, took a player out for the entire year in Dallas. I think if you randomly ran through let wheel and it was on any forward, I don't think any forward would cause you to losing any forward to cause to miss the playoffs. And I'm, and I'm not saying and this is, and this is a Testament to the depth of the roster. Would it suck if Jason Robertson was lost? Yes. Would it suck if Joe Pavelski was lost? Yes. Would it suck if Ropay Hinz was lost? Of uh, A, uh, if it, or, or those are kind of the, the, that anyone from that top line, but we saw how, Rupa Hintz can thrive when Joe Pavelski's hurt. We've seen how the Stars group just like I think the Stars are incredibly de- deep at forward right now. It is truly one of the deepest forward groups in the NHL. That I don't think losing a single forward, while it would be frustrating, and would hurt things slightly, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't rock the foundation of the team. Losing Miro Hashkin and, and losing Jake Ottinger would rock the foundation of the team. And the Stars don't have anyone else in that conversation that would rock the foundation of the team. So it's it's a huge gap between one and two, and then a huge gap, and then a mat- even bigger gap between two and three for me. Um, I'm going to go with just for, t- to be debative, because we're supposed to do that. Like, I think Robertson's really good. I don't have any issue with Robertson there, but I'm going to go with Hints. Just for the element of,, um, the number one center is in what he does and every in the elements of every other part of the game and everything like that. I think he unlocks a lot for Jason Robertson. And so I'm gonna go with Ro hints as my number three. But to be clear, as you've all heard in my thought process, I easily could have gone with Robertson at number three and talked myself into it if I had gone first, but for the sake of some debate on the podcast, I'll go with hints at three.
0: Okay. That's, that's very fair. That's a, that's yeah. a t- I I don't know. I mean, hints at three is the right answer. Robertson at three is the right answer too. So, and it's good to have yeah. those kinds of answers.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think there's a, the other key question on this too, is the, there's the talk of like, we're talking about the here and now and within this season, right? Like, there's if we're talking long-term projection and, and all of that stuff right like hints is signed through 2031 robertson's only signed through 2026 while i think robertson will continue to be what jason robertson is i have a little bit more track record of Rope hints showing me what he is just a little bit like nothing just jason robertson one of the best americans in the world right now that's great yep um ropey hints has a couple years more track record and a longer contract and so maybe there's a little bit of that that comes into play when you think about this but it's I, i think it's it's splitting things down the middle and at the end of the day it goes to the the testament here to this is a really deep team the forward group is really deep um and it's great but it's got two important pillars on the back end, on the blue line, and Miro Heshkin and goal and Jake Ottinger that you simply cannot lose for any thoughts of success.
0: The other question I thought of the other day, and this is what I love about my brain in offseason, I just think <laughs> of these random things and I'm like, oh, I have a podcast where I could talk about this now with Sean Shapiro. So Joe Pavelski and the playoff run that he had, if this streak continues, I, I know that we had talked about like borderline hall of fame. I I've now, I, I think Joe Pavelski goes in the hall of fame. If he can, you know, continues doing what he's do, you know, post another good year. So let's just say it happens. Is there any thought that the stars wouldn't hang that banner with Joe Pavelski on it after the years that he's put in here in Dallas, as well as what he's done for the room, what he did for Wyatt Johnston and the amazing playoff ability of Joe Pavelski.
1: Um, so that's a good question. I mean, he's got. Let's see. He's now had. He'll be entering year five with Dallas, but I mean, is twenty retired? And Ryan Suter's is, Ryan, Ryan Suders were in twenty right now. And so if if, if 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 Ed Belfort's number is not retired, if. If, if, if 20 is not retired and I'm not saying it's just, I'm using that
0: as my, I as agree, my baseline. Sean, I agree. No, I agree so, with you. That was, that was my follow-up.
1: Yeah. Like I don't, I mean, retired numbers are always interesting because it's time spent somewhere and, 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 and different things like, it. and, um, to me, I don't think, Because so from that, right. So if we go back to the, uh, so like, let's assume. So you have the, t- the stars retired numbers, right? You have, if we want to go through this exercise real quick here, Well, we'll do it like you have Neil Broughton, which um, was definitely a Neil Broughton, a number seven retired for, he really defined, um, he he really defined hockey in Minnesota in many ways. Um, I think I actually put the line in my first book, "A Hundred Things Stars Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die." I, I think there was the line. I had the line somewhere in there about like, um, if the stars had stayed in Minnesota, Neil Broughton would have been even more of a hero here because mm-hmm. he would have been for the franchise, not here, but for the franchise because it was almost it was it was this you call it the state of hockey it was the state state of Broughton too. I mean he had like 98 points one season as a rookie and everything. So um, he's no kind of a, they, Sorry, yeah. I just wanted to jump yeah. in there
0: real. Yeah. Kind of people forget how important Neil Broughton has and always yeah. will be to USA hockey. I mean, I know we have a lot of young guys now coming from the USA and some of the yeah. biggest stars in the NHL are from the USA, and we're going to talk about Madonna in a little bit with another subject. Yeah. But n- – You know, what he did for USA hockey as far as being on the 80 Olympic team and then having a successful – when you look at that 80 Olympic team and you look at the success rate as far as guys in the NHL, Neil Broughton's at the top of the list. So, you know, that and what he did for hockey in Minnesota. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so his number should be retired. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Bill Bill Goldsworthy – Bill Goldsworthy is someone who is – was was definitely he's one of those Minnesota retirements where you want to honor your history. I'm good with the number eight being retired. He he was a he was a franchise icon. He had a it's called the Goldie Shuffle. He did a kind of the way he celebrated each goal. Um, Bill Masterton's na- number nineteen is obviously retired for very, for less happy reasons, but I think you can't. Have, so you, you, after those numbers, right from the team that won the cup in '99 for all the hall of famers and all the players that had impacts of the team. Only three guys have their Jersey retire. Yep. Don- Madonna letting and in Zuboff. And you can't argue with any of those. Right. Like you, you can't just, dis- you can't disagree with any of those, but hypothetical world where, and we're having a great time on spits and suds all season. And, uh, um, uh, 10 months from now, uh, the stars win the Stanley Cup, and they they get that Stanley Cup where it's that final piece where you've got guys from this era who have the cup on their resume and everything like that. Of the players on the roster, who of uh, so say just let's let me throw that back to you real quick. Considering the '99 team with all the Hall of Famers, only has three retired numbers. Mm-hmm. Stars win the cup in 2024 you get to pick three numbers to retire from that roster which three do you pick and
0: then i don't don't know how the rest i don't know how the rest of their career goes or
1: yeah you don't know the rest of their career is going to go but you have just like you you don't but it's the obviously obviously you don't know right now and so this is it's not a fair question but that's kind of Questions aren't always fair. Yeah, yeah. Like and, if you, you, yeah, but yeah, but they'll, they'll, if you're you're to, to say like, okay, well, I'm going to rank the the three guys most likely to have their number retired from this roster. Okay, stars are celebrating, hoisting the cup, or passing. Mm-hmm. They're passing it around. Mm-hmm. Got
0: it. Got it. Um, Pavelski, Ben, Haiskainen.
1: See, I don't agree on Pavelski. I think Pavelski obviously is going to be Ben and Haiskainen, no doubt. But I think even with the time spent and everything like that, it, to me, it feels like he's going to, it feels like Pavelski is going to kind of fall into that at Belfort area where he's going to be obviously such a huge part of the franchise. He'll be in the team hall of fame, but it'll be the, we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to retire 16 because we can't retire every number now whether that's right or wrong i don't know but um i I also because not knowing obviously how careers are gonna play out and how things go and everything like that if i mean if jason robertson is if if jason robertson has his goes off and has the numbers that we saw last year throughout his long long career in dallas all of a sudden you're looking at well no one can ever wear 21 again right so um it's, I, I just think the bar is so incredibly high and I think it's, um well, this is, I, I think the stars have done a good job of keeping the bar high, but as long as it's also hard to say you can retire number 16 and not retire 91, Yeah. whether, whatever, no, no matter what you think about Tyler Sagan's career and everything like that, like. It's hard to be like oh well I'm, I'm gonna retire Joe Podelski's number and then not have the Tyler Sagan conversation and agree I don't think Ty- and I don't think Tyler Sagan's number should be retired yeah I think Tyler Sagan's been a fine player and I I think on the Dallas roster right now the only two players in my mind where I'd be I would put my stamp on retiring their number if they were to never play another game for Dallas would be 14 and four those are the only two right now for me yeah that I would be like okay I'm gonna retire their
0: number I guess it's a tough question too because we don't actually know what the bar is
1: because it's yeah, never it's, been it's yeah. never
0: been laid out and most teams wouldn't lay it out um but i don't know why Belfour wouldn't be up there because they don't win the Stanley Cup without Belfour
1: I mean Ed Belfour was how many years was it total in Dallas right it was it was obviously great and but it was only one two three four i mean it was five seasons in Dallas so right now if you look at you look at his time and you look at his time in Dallas is similar time wise to, to his time in to Pavelski's time, both signed in their thirties. So I think it's, I think Belfort is actually a pretty good comp for Pavelski and the fact 20 is not retired tells me 16 won't be retired. Um, and I think that's, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think when you're retiring numbers and actually retiring them, remember this is not like a ring of honor thing that they do in the NFL. Uh, I think it's it's okay to be choosy. It's okay to be selective. Um, I do think there's the the space where you honor your history with the Hall of Fame, so things don't get forgotten. And I think you be a little bit more naturally choosy with how that number gets used in the future. Like to me, um, there should kind of be an unwritten rule in Dallas, Gavin, that number twenty is not retired, but you're not given twenty to a kid. You're not given twenty to, like, you're not given twenty. Twenty's got to be earned, right? Like, it was kind of the, it's kind of the space where, like, I don't really like what the, like, if I go to the, the, like, I don't really like what the stars did with, uh, with, uh, with number two, right? That's let's use that as an example. Like, I am okay with. I'm actually okay with Darian Hatcher's number not being retired. If you want to set a high bar, I I, I would retire Darian Hatcher's number personally, but I'm I'm okay with it. If you want to set a high bar, I mean Darian Hatcher, Gavin was the captain here for ten years. Yeah, won the cup. If his number is not retired, Joe Pavelski's never getting his number retired. Let's just be honest, right? Um, I don't mind if you want to set a high bar and not retire Darian Hatcher's number. That's okay. But I don't like that number two, for lack of a better word, has become a number that since Darian Hatcher, it's gone to Willie Mitchell, Nicholas Grossman, Yurki Yokopaka, Chris Russell, Dan Ham-Huse, uh Jamie Alexiak, Yanni Hockinpah. Like, I don't have anything against Alexiak. I probably would have been fine with him wearing that number because he was a, he was a, actually, that was on his second stint back that he was wearing there. He was wearing that number, but like, to me, I think there's a little bit of an organizational understanding of when you're given out number two. Let's give it to someone who's got who can kind of carry what number two means. Because for a Stars fan, any Stars fan born this century, right? Number two is that depth defenseman. You remember watching the Stars in the '90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, Kevin. What did number two mean? Number two was number two was tough. Number two was, Heart it meant soul. something yeah. like, and I think the, I think the stars have done that in some places where it worked well, where it's like, I think they did. Um, now I know Mike McKenna wore it for a little bit when he was in Dallas, but like Marty, Marty Turco's number 35, right? Um, 35 meant someone who was a, it was like someone who was a goalie that kind of meant something to the team. Right. And, no one wore, Turco retired in 2010, 35, wasn't worn again until 2018, and then Hudobin had it from 2019 and 2022. I think that's a fair pass off of that number, where it wasn't given to someone called up from the minors. It wasn't just passed out. It was kind of, the reverence was kept there, where you could be kind of, you and I could sit in the stands and have that the historical conversation of like, hey, there's 35. It's cool to see 35 again because the guy who's wearing it is worthy of wearing 35. I know this is this sounds very gatekeeping and I realize that but I I, I think to me it's more of a historical look at it yeah. where it would feel like it would feel weird right to it would if they don't retire if 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 they don't like it feels weird seeing other people wear, we're, we're we're number two.
0: It's yeah. just kinda weird to me. So I, I, I agree. I mean, my standards are lower, admittedly. Yeah. Uh I'm one of those guys that I I think it's cool retiring numbers. And yeah. I don't want to go overboard, but you know, like for instance, and I know the Red Sox are one of the more historic franchises in sports, but by golly, I think they should retire Sam Malone's number from Cheers. I know that <laughs> sounds crazy, but I mean that like meant so much to Red Sox fandom, you know, or at least do something special. And so I do give credit to Brad Alberts because I think the ring of honor is a very, very nice gesture. And I think it can celebrate those from the past. So I give him a lot of credit and you guys can give me crap about the Sam Malone thing. I completely understand. (laughs) Okay. So as we tape this, it is the exact day the 30th anniversary of one of the more unique situations where Robin Ventura and Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura went to the mound and Texas folklore was born in that probably goes down as one of the more notable Rangers highlights And what's weird is we were talking in the hallway about this, Sean, and two of the more notable highlights from the Rangers are fights with (laughs) Ruggie O'Dore and with Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura. But it did get me thinking. Notable highlights from the stars. And clearly the obvious one was Brett Hull winning the Stanley Cup with the goal against Buffalo. But then I started thinking, What are some other notable highlights that when I look back on my stars watching, my stars fandom, what got me excited to cover this team, to be a part of this this franchise, to help hockey grow? And two come to mind. Jamie Benn winning the scoring title with that amazing effort in the final game of the season where everyone was on their feet and it was going crazy. Everyone in the building knew what was going on. And that, to me, was so cool. Sidebar to that story, my friend wanted to beat traffic, so we were in the concourse when it happened, but that's another story. <laughs> the second one, Mike Madano becoming the all-time American scorer. I thought that was marquee in San Jose. I uh, loved the call uh, by Ralph and Razor. I just thought it was terrific. So those are the three that come to mind, and I know there are others. Um, I think, you know, not a marquee moment, but the Jeremy Roenick hit in the retaliation um, by the stars is something that, you know, forever lives in my mind. And I wanted to ask you, Sean, what moments stick out in your mind as we, I guess, celebrate the 30th anniversary of the brawl in which Nolan Ryan took Robin Ventura in a headlock and forever we see that image?
1: I mean, Robin Ventura, real quick kind on of a side note couple about uh, a little bit later in his career, hit one of the most influential uh, baseball plays of my young baseball fan to being a young Mets fan, the uh, Grand Slam single mm-hmm. in, in 99 when he uh, uh, knocked out the Braves in the, NLC, in the NLCS. So that was, uh, I will always uh, rem- remember Robin Ventura fondly on, on that level. As you should. Uh, yeah. And by the it, way,
0: it, by the way, does not get the credit he deserves as an amazing baseball player. I mean, Robin Ventura was a marquee batter at the plate. This is not some guy. Robin Ventura was amazing as a baseball player
1: part of one of the uh, greatest uh, defensive infields in baseball history with him and Edgardo Alfonso <laughs> and uh, Ray Ardonia. Sure. Uh, it, uh, it was, it was, it uh, was one of the greatest infields in in baseball history, but that's, that's me. That's me in my late, uh, late my childhood Mets fandom there. Um, the, like uh, you say the, right. The number one is obviously winning the cup. It's the, it's 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 that um to me some of the like signature moments and obviously i i have a little bit of an advantage talking about this because i went written a whole book about this team and, and everything like that um it's hard not to look at i mean in a singular kind of and it wasn't one singular moment as much but game seven of the 99 western conference finals obviously that's a that's it's a game seven to go to the cup and you, you don't win that game seven. You're not, you're not going to win the cup. And so it, it's easy to, when a team is only one has one championship, like the stars do, it's easy to try to lump things around that team. So for this exercise, I'm going to intentionally like not talk about the 99 team, because I think it's not really fair where it's because there's so many things from that run right um now i look at it's hard to not put the um the the brendan moro cinco de moro goal oh in that's there a good because, one yes because because it is such a um it's it's such a it's such an iconic spot for the franchise but it's also one of those iconic playoff overtime hockey things that's always going to be Remembered passed um, by Robida, yeah, and it's and it's something that meant, um, and it's something that on a team level meant more too, right? Where it's like I, I love the the Jamie Ben Art Ross story. It's one of the best Art Ross winning moments in NHL history, and it's unfortunately the the while well, the Brendan Morrow Cinco de Moro goal has gotten better with age, the Jamie Ben um, Art Ross winner has history hasn't been as kind, right? Because of even as dramatic as he it was and everything like that, um it was uh eighty-eight points. What was it? No, how many points was it? It was eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah. right. Wasn't many. And like it's 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 Time has not been kind to that because it's become more and more of the like this year, right? Someone with 87 points um would have been 20th in the league in scoring. Like William Nealander had 87 points in 20th in the league in scoring. So it's the the Ben winning the art Ross thing. I think it's good to talk about and it's good to bring up because it was really cool in that moment. And it was a really big deal. The stars haven't won many individual awards um one of the actually one of the reasons it's even more impressive that yuri latin won three selkies is that he did it in dallas where historically and it's gotten better but historically they've been kind of ignored by voters so um the the fact that how many points ben had and how the game has evolved and everything like that it's like it's one of those things where if you look back through history like Jason Robertson scored 109 points this year. He didn't get a trophy. Jamie Ben got got a trophy for scoring 22 less points in a season. Yep. And so history has, history hasn't been kind to of that. Um and the same thing goes on where it's it happened too with Tyler Sagan was scratched for being late to a team meeting and everything like that. So it's one of those moments that I think is was so much more fun in the moment and you wish you could almost travel back to it without any curse of knowledge from the future, because I think that really hurt it because it really was cool. Um, For me, one of the hallmark moments that I'll always remember. And I think because it's it's easier for me for stuff that I was there in person for too, and everything like that. But um, the Radulov power play goal in the cotton bowl, I don't know. You'll never like that to me is one of the coolest Moments as I've ever witnessed in that Winter Classic, where it's the the you you see the pass from Klingberg to Radulov, you see the wind up, the anticipation of, uh, anticipation of of more than eighty thousand people watching this, and then the finish, and with the the Radulovian celebration and everything like that, like that to me is it's it's easily a top moment in Dallas stars history right there, because never will you have a larger crowd for a hockey game in Texas. Never will you have that type of roar on a Richter scale type roar because of the pure amount of people. And it was just so cool because for me, the setting was so cool where it was such a, like a, such a slap in the face of the traditionalist values of like, yo, you can't do like, it was just the, that was like the that was the like the shot across the bow to anyone who's ever questioned hockey in Texas. You could just show that clip. You could show that goal. You could show you could show the thirty second build up to that power play goal, and then the crowd reaction. And you'd be like, shove it! Like to me, that is one of those. If if we're taking away moments, if we're, we're trying not to use ninety nine, that to me is is right up there because. Even though it wasn't a playoff game, it just, it was from a stars fan unison moment. It's the one thing, it's the one moment where anyone who claims they were there, they probably actually were because too often, right? Too often we'll be like, (laughs) like, what, like, like, like I remember hearing the stat where like, there's something where it's like, like somehow like somehow like a hundred thousand people have claimed they were at like Michael Jordan's last game. And it's like it's like, well, Mike, like well, the United Center only held 20,000 people. Yeah. Like like it was it's one of those things where as a from a star's um perspective, that goal by Rajet Love, like that to me is that's that's right up there when we take away when we don't look at obviously the cup winner by Brett Hole and everything like that. And um it's I think that is uh that that one to me I think might even be a strong number two if we if if we if if we commit to taking uh just from the community aspect and everything like that, I, I think I think it would be a good contender for two, actually.
0: Okay. Those are uh those are good. And this week on SHAP Shots, Sean posted an interesting article. Don't overreact to NHL <laughs> arbitration valuations. Now while this doesn't really, doesn't completely you know, stars related, maybe not this year, but you know, in the future and go into that a little bit and what you meant by that, because that's primarily what is in the NHL news right now, as far as arbitration. And you see the differences between what the team's offering and what the player's offering. And it certainly isn't $50,000 apart. I mean, it is usually vastly apart. So explain arbitration to those that you know, are the new hockey fan or the hockey fan that says, you know, I don't understand why, how do they come to an agreement? Why are they so far apart?
1: Yeah, so um, one of the things that hockey in general has, one of the issues hockey has in general, and I like to think we combat that on this podcast, and I combat that in my writing sometimes, is I think um, a lot of the workings of the hockey machine are slightly different than other sports. And so people think we can just apply other sports things to hockey too often. Um, like for example, um, uh, I have a really good friend who's a, uh, who lives in Columbus, Ohio, and he's a blue jackets fan. And he was texting me about, he's trying to, he's been becoming, he's coming a new hockey fan and everything like that And texting around the time of the draft. And, um, I was kind of explaining the ins and outs of the draft where obviously a player like Adam Fentilli, who went number three, um, will play for Columbus this year, but Gavin Brindley, who is going to be a pretty good player, I think, isn't going to be a blue jacket for a while. That's just how the system works. Um, And so I think arbitration people get, a lot of people get confused on arbitration in the NHL because they think it's baseball and Baseball arbitration is, is different. Um, In both scenarios, both sides come to the table with a number, but in baseball, the arbitration works this way. If, uh, if the, if the, the player is asking, I'm going to use very simple numbers on purpose. If the, if the, if the player thinks he's worth 3 million and the team where it thinks he's worth 2 million. Um, he's either going to get $3 million, or $2 million. The arbitrator comes to the table. He hears both arguments. He, th- he then picks it's like, okay, well this argument, the player's argument was better. So I'm picking the player's salary where on. Um, and so when baseball arbitration values come out, the player will be getting one of those two values. There's no in between. Hockey arbitration is more like mediation. Um, and I think if we use the word mediation, it would actually probably, people would be less freaking out about it. It's basically like you're going to buy it. It's like you're going to buy a house or a car or something like that. And you're negotiating where you've you've had some negotiations and now it's got to a point where you need some a middleman to help you figure out the true value and everything like that. And that middle mediator, can give any value he or she chooses. They could give any value that he or she chooses. Now, they're always 99% of the time, they split it right down the middle, but the Ducks and Troy Terry, for example, and this is the case that really propped this all up, the Ducks and Troy Terry submitted their value tra- valuations for arbitration. Troy Terry at 8 million, the Ducks said 4.5 million. That's obviously a pretty big gap between the two of them. Troy Terry knew he was never gonna get $8 million. The Ducks knew they were never going to pay four point five million dollars. Those aren't good faith offers. Those are, well, I got to tank this guy's value as much as possible from the team side, so that's where the arbitrator starts. Just like um, if you go into negotiation for any contract, and you ask for a hundred dollars, use very simple numbers, but you really, if if you want a hundred dollars. You're not going to come to the table asking for $100. You're going to say, hey, I want 120 And then you're going to have that wiggle room to get yourself there.
0: And let me so, let me just and, stop you there yeah. for one second, Sean, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. I think this is very relatable what you just said. to guys like you, myself, people listening out there. How much does the player get involved in that? Does he, like Troy Terry, does he hear yeah. actually what the duck, or is that the agent's job to kind of mask it? Because I know in the past, It can cause a lot of bad friction between player and team. And just like real life, we go in, we ask for a number. They said, not going to happen. And all of a sudden the friction's there. So how much are players, today's players, not in the past, but today's players, have you got a sense how much players are involved in this process? Um, The players typically
1: in arbitration, things like this. Um, it doesn't really leave the, and this is why, and so like Terry, for example, just because you see these numbers doesn't mean they can't negotiate until the arbitration date. They can still negotiate before. And Terry and the ducks ended up working out a a deal before, after this came out, a seven year, $7 million deal, which is actually, I think pretty good value. Yes. Um, but Troy Terry, it's basically his agent handling all of this up until, and this is why. And this is why if a player actually makes it to arbitration, things start to relationships get rocky because the player isn't really physically involved unless it actually makes it all the way to arbitration. Because if it makes it all the way to arbitration, the player often attends the arbitration hearing. And then the player is in the room as their boss argues against their value. And that is the moment where that causes cracks and schisms and it's the reason that while you may have a player get a deal in arbitration typically within 18 to 24 months they're gone because it's hard to be in a room where your value is being tanked right in front of your own eyes when it's just third party things it's it's easy it's easy to have the negotiation it's just like if somebody's ever had a anyone listening here has ever had a job negotiation for a salary and it's the person who's hiring you or whatever, it's why the HR, the HR finance guy becomes the fall guy, right? Where you'll be like, oh, I want this much. And they're like, you know what? I'd love to give it to you. Let me see what we can do. And then they call the other guy to make the other guy the bad guy. When you actually make it to arbitration, the bad guy leaves the room, or the, the fall guy leaves the room, and the two sides look eye to eye and argue. And that's why typically players who actually make it to arbitration rarely stay with the team players who file for arbitration players who put the numbers like this and figure it out before an arbitrator actually has to step the door. It's usually okay. But like, for example, uh, Toronto, right. They had a, a uh, it was uh Samsonov, right. Samsonov made it all the way to arbitration. I would be stunned if Samsonov is still with the Leafs after next season because they went and they made it all the way to the public, the, to the, the airing of dirty laundry face-to-face, and that is the start of the beginning of the end. Um, The Ducks avoided that. While this number was out there publicly, the Ducks knew what Terry was doing, Terry knew what the Ducks was doing, and they still came to a pretty good deal before someone needed to step in
0: the room. Fascinating stuff, my friend. And I will say this, hopefully Sean Shapiro does not go to arbitration because I cannot low play. He's fair market (laughs) value, man. That's why he's on this podcast. That is good stuff. And I will end with this for stars and NHL fans, whoever's listening. If you ever have a question, um, please feel free to hit me up at, at GJ Spittle, at Sean Shapiro, or one of his 46 future social media accounts that he will have. And just that's wrong, what,
1: just, just that's, that's, that's my, 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 my pleading for people right now is I would just like one place to do this. Like, <laughs> It's I know it's it's first world problems on every level, but yeah. I just I really I don't have the I don't want to be watching the Traverse City to Prospect tournament in two in in a month from now or a month and a half from now and being like oh I like how this prospect looks do I have to open blue sky threads and Twitter and like, which one? Like, I just, I just, I just want to be like, yes. So (laughs) yes, no, you're
0: absolutely right. And we want to be inclusive here on Spits and Suds. And you know, a big part of us doing this show is you, the listener. So if you ever have any questions, you know, we love bringing them up on the program, but we also like answering them immediately for you. It's all about learning and growing together. Sean, you're a beast. I had a blast today. I had a lot of fun with these topics. I yeah, think it's, I think it's funny that everyone's like, oh, it's the off season and my brain works overtime in off season. And I, mm-hmm. I just think of these things when I'm on dog walks and I'm like, okay, I got to put this in my phone so I don't forget.
1: It's, it's funny how some of the stuff will randomly pop up. Um, like there's certain things that, uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy a lot of the off season stuff too. Cause I think it gets me, it lets me kind of, uh, go down some of the other paths of things I don't normally get to go down. Right. Where I, um. Uh, I'll read some more about some other sports. I'll, I'll listen to some other, um, listen to some other, uh, podcasts about other things outside of hockey that maybe I didn't have the time for in the season. And you, you get ideas, think like, for like, like randomly, like, and I, I, I want you to, to be clear to you, Gavin, we are not going deep on this subject right now. We can do it another time, All but right. like, for example, but for example, like I was, uh, uh, started listening to a, uh, kind of one, an, an abridged version of, uh, it's called an abridged version of presidential history with Kenny Ryan, who is the, the the podcast host, where it's like 30 minute episodes of just kind of the abridged version of what you needed to know about each president. And it talks about their different leadership styles and stuff like that. And it's really interesting. you're like, oh, and you start to think like, you make a note of like, oh, it's talking about leadership styles. I wonder how that could apply to NHL captains. And you start to like think about stuff like that randomly that yeah. you kind of by, by being outside of the season that maybe applies to it. So um, I'm not comparing presidential leadership styles to captains right now. That is not something we are going to do. We are going to continue our exit (laughs) of the show because it's, uh, it's Friday and uh, I'm going to uh, it's, it's Friday and I'm going to go watch some more hockey uh, at the world junior summer showcase in an hour here.
0: (laughs) And, And you know, what's great is, is that Sean, you've been able to, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, something that is tough to do in print that you've been able to do is open up here and You know, talk a little bit about your family and watch the game with your kids and stuff like that. Talking about your favorite lager, you know, things like that. So, I mean, I like showing that side of, uh, you know, Sean Shapiro and I'm kind of the open book guy. And, uh, you know, I just I just throw out sometimes the stupidest questions or the Sam Malone should have his number retired in Boston. And, (laughs) you know, those are just things that my brain thinks of. So why not for the Spits and Suds audience? So everyone go out. If you haven't yet, buy the book. We win here. It's a terrific uh, book. Um, written by Sean Shapiro that talks about the Texas stars and many stories that affect the Dallas stars today. So that's the name of the book, or you can find him at EP Ringside, at Chap Shots. and what I'm saying is support Sean Shapiro. So that's going to do it for another week of off-season broadcasts. Sean, have a great weekend, and to everyone else out there, thank you so much for following us this off-season, and we will be back next week right here on Spits & Suds. Have a great day, everyone.